um, you know, it's the strangest thing. Um, all day, in a day like this, a hot day like this, you know what I've been thinking about? That mango smoothie. Man, that stuff is good. Oh, man. That's been on my mind all day. Wow. I can't wait for Sunday. But anyways, I digress. Last week, we began a two-part series on waiting on the Lord. It's a very a challenging message because no one, as we all know, liked to wait. And we began to look at what it means to wait on the Lord. We talked about the biblical definition of waiting. And we learned that waiting is being in a position of hope and expectation. It is being hopeful and expecting that God is going to do something. Amen? We looked at uh, the book of Psalms in verse 27 and verse 14 in the Amplified Version, if you remember, where David says, wait and hope for and expect the Lord. It says, be brave and of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. In other words, don't quit and give up. Yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. And of course, we learned that to expect means that we regard something as likely to happen. In other words, we're anticipating that something is going to come to pass. Okay? Uh, I like what one preacher defined it. It says that waiting on the Lord is not going outside of God to resolve your issues. Because when you get outside of God, you're getting ahead of God. And when you're getting ahead of God, you're getting ahead of His plan. And you're coming outside of His will. And every time we get, go outside of God, we always make a mess of things. Amen? Amen? So waiting is the biblical thing to do. We also talked about the most important aspect of waiting, and that is who or what are you waiting for? We talked about how so many people tend to wait on the wrong things, on the wrong people, and on the wrong circumstances. We looked at an example in John chapter 5, uh, where Jesus came to Jerusalem, and, and it, it, there was a pool called Bethesda, where all kinds of sick people would, would sit there waiting for the water to be stirred. Because it believed that the angel would come in due season to stir up the water, and anyone who jumps into the water after it got stirred would be healed. And there was one particular gentleman who had been sick for 38 years. And every day he would come to this pool of Bethesda and walk away disappointed. Why? Because he was depending, expecting, and waiting for the wrong thing. When Jesus asked the man, do you want to be made well? The man says, well, I have no man to take me so that when the water gets stirred, by the time I get to the water, someone cuts in front of me and I don't get the healing. So he was relying on, waiting on, expecting on the wrong person and on the wrong circumstances. We don't wait on circumstances. We wait on God. One of the things that we tend to do is that we put a face on the things that we're waiting for. We put a face on who is going to come and bless us. We put a face on what organization is going to come and, and meet our needs. Now, God can use people and organizations, but our source is God. So what I love about um, George Mueller, who started out a tremendous ministry in England during the 19th century, we had a tremendous orphanage. And he, had, he built orphanages and he built Christian schools 
But he did not look to man or expect man or waited for man to support him. He waited on God only. And everything that he received was from the Lord supernaturally because he prayed patiently, waiting for God to come in and move in supernaturally. And God had done some tremendous work in his ministry and in his life because he waited for the right person, God. We ought to be looking for God and God only. Amen? We looked also, we talked about how when you're waiting on God only, you're always waiting on a sure thing. We also talked about waiting means not only expecting from the Lord, but also looking out and watching for God like a watchman at a watchtower, you know. And we talked about how, you know, some of you who have ordered uh, packages from Amazon, you know, and, and you're expecting that package to come. You're not believing that it's not coming. You believe it's coming because you made an agreement with Amazon. Okay, and they promised to deliver. And they promised to deliver at a certain day. So you're looking at that day all day out the window in front of the doorsteps, looking for the mailman, looking for the UPS truck, expecting and watching for that package. It's the same thing with waiting on God. You're waiting, you're watching out for Him. You're looking out for Him because you're expecting Him to come and deliver. Amen? So like a watchman, we're eagerly to look for God to come through for us. So, <clears throat> waiting means watching out, looking out for, and expecting for the Lord to come. We talked about how waiting also means to be patient. How many of you are patient? <laughs> Some of us are very patient. Some of us are a little patient. Some of us are not patient at all. There's different levels of patience. But the Bible tells us we are to wait patiently. David says in uh, Psalm 40 and verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. Now when he said that, it was during a very difficult, dangerous, painful experience of his life. Yet the Bible says he waited patiently. And the Bible says that the Lord inclined to me and heard my cry and delivered me. So waiting on the Lord is a deliberate decision that requires patience. And, of course, David understood something about waiting because it took him 14 years before he became king. <clears throat> he was anointed to be king at age 14, but he wasn't quite ready to be king until he was the age 30. We learned that Abraham had waited 20 years before he received his son. Now, Abraham was a good example of someone who didn't want to wait. Well, I should say his wife, Sarah, because God had promised him a son. Sarah couldn't wait, so she decided to include Hagar into the deal. And that, she made a mess of it. Why? Because she was not willing to wait for the promise that God had made. Waiting on the Lord is a deliberate decision which requires patience. Joseph, it took him a lot of patience when he was in prison for 12 years before God finally released him. And Moses waited 40 years in the wilderness before he went out into his ministry to deliver God's people. And of course, Jesus waited 30 years before he started his ministry. And I made this statement last week that if you think that God is making you wait, well, then you're in good company. There are many men and women of God in the Bible that had to learn how to wait on the Lord. 
And then we use that, I looked at an example in Acts chapter 1 in verse 4 where Jesus told his disciples after his resurrection and just before his ascension, and he told his disciples, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. Some of you, God is saying, don't depart from your job. Don't depart from your relationship, your marriage. Don't depart from your apartment. Don't depart from whatever it is that God's telling you not to depart. But he says to wait. And of course, the scripture says that they all gathered together, waiting in one place. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, the Bible says, and suddenly. The word suddenly means unexpectedly. They didn't know when the promise was coming. They didn't know how the promise was coming. They just knew that the promise was coming. And so they waited patiently. And suddenly, the Spirit of God came. Had they not have waited, they would not have experienced the greatest experience of church history. But because they waited, praise God, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and the church became alive, and man, history began. Waiting simply means giving God the benefit of the doubt. We're believing that God knows what he's doing. It is a constant reminder that as we're praying and waiting on God, we're not in charge. And that's where we struggle. Because we like to be in control. We like to know what's happening, when it's happening. But when it's, when it's taken out of our hands, and we, then we're not in control. And that makes us antsy. That gets us agitated. That makes us anxious to the point where sometimes we want to move ahead. But waiting simply means that we're giving God the benefit of the doubt. He knows what he's doing, and he's in charge. So waiting is that confident, patient, disciplined, expectant, actively watching for the Lord. It means knowing that at the end of our waiting, we're going to receive our harvest. Amen. So tonight I want to spend some time talking to you about what is God doing while we're waiting. You ever wonder about that? You're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you wonder, Lord, what's going on? Lord, where are you? Lord, did you hear me? It's probably a question we ask ourselves all the time. What's taking you so long, Lord? But the command to wait on the Lord is found extensively throughout the Bible, both Old and New Testament. As a matter of fact, someone says that the word wait is the worst four-letter word in the entire Bible. It is the hardest word to put into practice. How many of you would agree with that? But the struggles that so many Christians have is the fact that we wait so long for God to work and move on our behalf. And we wonder, why, Lord? What is the delay? What is taking you so long? But waiting on the Lord simply means you're holding tight. You're hanging in there. You're you're hoping with expectation. doesn't matter how long it takes. You're hanging in there. Because understand that God is not making you wait just to see how long you're going to take it. And we're going to talk about why we wait. But waiting has two key elements. One is the fact that we need complete dependence and trust in the Lord. The second element is probably the most challenging. 
And that is having a willingness to allow God to decide the timing of his plan, the timing of his purpose. See, we want to tell him this is when we want it. We want to control the time. But God does not work within our time frame. And he's not to be controlled by time. It's his time. But waiting is a common pattern in everyday life. Every Christian in this room is waiting for God to provide for them, to give to them, to show them something, to reveal something to them, to empower them. Everyone is waiting for us, for God to take us to the next step, the next level, the next phase, the next place, the next person. Every one of us is. Yet it seems God is not doing anything at all. Have you felt that way? It seems that God doesn't seem to understand my sense of urgency. He doesn't seem to understand the seriousness of my situation. So why is he taking so long? One of the reasons why we wait, and we're going to talk about a few things as to why the delay, but one of them, I believe, is because of a wrong attitude. We have a wrong attitude towards God. We tend to treat God like he's some sort of a fast food server. You know, you drive by the windy uh, uh, menu there. You make your order in the intercom. Then you drive through the window expecting to receive your order when you, when you drive by there. Some of us treat God like that. Some of us treat God like a microwave. We pop in our requests, and then we expect a response in minutes. But see, that's because we've been programmed to expect God to answer us and come to us and, and provide for us in our time of need, within our time frame. But of course, that kind of thinking simply implies that we don't think that God is in control and that we don't think that God knows what he's doing. But you can never accuse God of not knowing what he's doing because he always knows what he's doing. Amen. God is always working. Someone made this statement. He says, there is actually something happening while nothing is happening. Even though we don't see it happening, it doesn't mean nothing's happening. Something is happening. God is always working. Okay, I want you to say that with me. God is always working. But as we learn so far, God doesn't respond as quickly with our timetable. And when he shows up, God is always on time. So why the delay? Some of you may use one of those pop-up timers for your turkeys. You know, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, so you stick the timer deep into the turkey, and then you stick the turkey in the oven. And as the turkey heats up, the rising temperature uh, registers within the thermometer. And when the turkey gets fully cooked, the outside of that thermometer pops up, Letting us know that the turkey is done. Amen? But here's the key. And, this is, and I want you to get this. The key to this, this thermometer uh, is that it has to go deep inside in the inner core of that turkey. Okay? Because if the turkey is not done, then it's not ready to eat. I don't know if you've ever eaten uncooked turkey or half-cooked turkey because it's not done, which means that it still needs to be in the oven just a little bit longer. 
It needs to be cooked a little bit longer. When the inner core is right, the external thing pops out, letting us know that it's time to eat. Amen? So how does that pertain to believers? Well, many people are waiting on God to pop up and say that He's going to give us the desires of our hearts. When in actuality, and what we don't realize, is God is waiting on us to cook. He's waiting on us to get done. The problem is that some of us are just not ready yet. Some of us need to be in the oven a little bit longer to cook just a little bit longer because we're just not ready. We haven't finished cooking. Well, I should say God has not finished cooking us. And then we wonder why God is taking so long. But truth be told, sometimes God will make us wait intentionally. Sometimes God will make us wait on purpose. And we're going to talk about why. Excuse me. Go to Isaiah chapter 30. Before we get into that, I want to show you this verse. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. It could be that God is waiting on you. It could be that maybe there's some areas in your life that God is still cooking and still developing. Look at what the first part of Isaiah says in the Amplified Version. It says, and therefore the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking, and longing to be gracious to you. Think about that. God is waiting for us. To do what? To be gracious to us. The word gracious means to stoop down and be kind or to show favor. God has been waiting to show his favor, his blessings, his kindness upon our lives. But sometimes we stop that because there's still some work to be done in our lives. But the fact is that God is expecting, looking, and longing. He's waiting on us. And look what it says in the next verse. I mean, uh, the, the rest of the verse. And therefore he lifts himself up, that he may have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Watch this. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are all those who, who what? Who what? Who earnestly wait for him. Who expect and look and long for his victory, his favor. His love, his peace, his joy, his matchless, unbroken companionship. God is waiting on us so that he can extend his grace, his mercy, his love, his, his unbroken companionship, his joy, his peace. There's so much of God that he wants us to have, that he wants to pour out in us, but he has to wait on us. But let's look at some of the reasons why. And again... We're only going to cover at least two or three of them tonight. But one of the first reasons why God delays is found in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 9. Proverbs 28, verse 9. And the one thing that will delay God from moving and working in our lives is ignoring and neglecting God's word. Look at what it says here. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer, is an abomination. 
or discussed. Now, we know how important the Word of God is because the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. James tells us in James 1, verse 22, that we are to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. So we understand how important God's Word is. But when a person neglects to do the Word of God, neglects to follow the written Word, the Bible says God will not listen to him. Go to Psalm 119. This is one of the reasons why we never should neglect God's word. Psalm 119 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Verse 9 says, how can a young man cleanse his way? How can a person stay clean? How can he live a life that is clean and righteous? It tells us, by taking heed according to your word or by following the word of God. Look down in verse 11. Your word have I hidden in my heart, so that what? So that I may not sin against you. Do you understand how important it is for the word of God to be inside of you? That word of God is to be (laughs) the measuring stick. It tells you, it it brings that conviction so that when you're tempted to do something, that word's going to rise up inside of you and say, no, the Bible says, like Jesus says, it is written. It's going to remind you that you cannot do certain things. His word keeps our hearts clean and keeps our line of communication open between God and us. Now go to Psalm 66. Let's look at another reason why God delays. And again, keep in mind, it's not because God wants to delay and it's not because he's doing it on purpose to make you crazy. There are reasons why. Psalm 66 and verse 16 tells us personal sin in a believer's life. And this one's an obvious one. In Psalm 66 and verse 16, it says, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. Now, this was David addressing the congregation to praise God because he tells them how God had responded to his prayer when he cried out to God in his time of need and how God came and delivered him. But he goes on to say that would not have happened had he had sin in his life. Look at verse 18. He says, verse 18, he says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. I'll say that again. If I regard iniquity in my heart, if I carry any sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear. God does not listen to our prayers Now listen very carefully. God will not listen to our prayers and will not come through for us if we're going back to our sin as soon as we get off our knees. It's only when we forsake sin and repent and turn to him, then will God listen no matter how bad your sin was. But God and I love what this, this statement. God hears our intentions as clearly as he hears our words. So you can be speaking, you can be paying loud lip service to God. But God also hears your heart just as loudly and just as clearly as your words. So you need to make sure that your heart is pure 
And you had to make sure, and this is where the Holy Ghost comes in. It says, Holy Ghost, show me. When you're in a period of waiting, ask the, the Spirit of God, Lord, is there something that is in my life that is hindering the Lord from coming through for me? It's a wonderful time to take that moment of waiting to ask the Holy Ghost to show you where you're missing it, if you're missing it at all. Amen? But true confession of sin requires us to listen to God and to want to stop doing what is right, what is wrong. Look in Psalm 19, uh, verse 12 and 13, where David confessed his sin and prayed. And this is where our attitude should be. He says, how can I know all the sins that are lurking in my heart? He says, cleanse me from these hidden faults. And in verse 13, he says, keep your servant also from presumptuous or deliberate sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. What a wonderful prayer to pray on a daily basis. You want to know, you want to stay clean? Go before God, pray this prayer, and ask the Holy Ghost, show me if there's any hidden faults in me. And the Holy Ghost will show it to you. But any time we refuse to repent and harbor sin in our lives, we put a wall between us and God. Isaiah 59 and verse 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. So while we're waiting on God to move on us and for us, (laughs) God is trying to move and work in us. You know, you're asking, Lord, I, I, need a, <clears throat> I need a better job opportunity. But then God wants to work on your attitude before he promotes you to a job. <clears throat> so let's work on your nasty attitude first. Let's work on your people skills first. And then we'll talk about promotions and, 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 and opportunities. Another thing, go to James chapter 1. Doubting God is another reason why God delays in working and coming for us and through us. James tells us the seriousness about doubt in James chapter 1 and verse 5. He says, And if any of you lack wisdom, or if you lack anything else for that matter, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and will be given to him. But there's a condition in verse 6. But let him ask in faith without doubting, For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. But it's in verse 7 that really speaks loudly. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. God's delay can be due to the fact that there's instability in our faith. You want to know what strong, stable faith is? Would you like to know? Are you sure? Go to Psalm 112. Let's look at, let's look at it there. Psalm 112, beginning in verse 7. A perfect description of strong faith. So he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is firmly fixed, trusting, leaning on, and being confident in the Lord. Verse 8. His heart is established 
and steady. He will not be afraid, watch this, while he waits to see his desire established upon his adversaries. His heart is established and steady, rock steady, fixed and firm and established. And he will not be afraid no matter what he faces. And he will, while he waits, it says, while he waits to see his desire established upon his adversaries. Amen. That is strong faith. That's the faith that God wants to develop in us. I like what Paul says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 20, where he described Abraham as someone who did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief. And he says how he was strengthened in faith and giving glory to God. Then it goes on to say that he was fully convinced in his heart, firmly fixed and established, that what God had promised, God was able to perform. Doubt can sometimes be a major hindrance from God working and moving in our lives. But all of these things that I've mentioned to you, neglecting God's word, doubting God's word and doubting God, sin in our hearts, having a wrong attitude, and there could be a number of other things. But all of these things all point to one major issue. And that's we all need some work to be done. We all need some cooking to be done. Amen? If we're lacking any of those areas or any other areas, it's because we still need to cook a little longer. Amen? There's still much work to be done. So, which means that his delays are for the purpose of our development. Amen. When God makes you wait, it's not because, you know, he's, it's not because he's de- depriving you of something. It's because he's trying to change something in you. God is waiting to pour out his blessings upon you, but there are some things first that he needs to work on. There's some developing that needs to be done. You're not going to put a five-year-old in front of a wheel, a steering wheel, and expect the child to drive. There's a process, a long process of growth and development that that child has to go through. But it requires a process of waiting. You know? A young woman who, who, who gets, gets out of a bad relationship, and then two weeks later she jumps into another relationship. That's not a good idea. Having got out of a bad relationship, there has to be a process of, of waiting and healing, a developing, before you're ready for the next relationship. What I'm saying is it's okay to wait. When we go through uh, premarital counseling, our primary reason for premarital counseling is to make sure that the couple is ready to be married. It's not that we don't want them to be married, it's just that we want to make sure that they're ready. And if there's some things in, in their lives or in their relationship that I think makes me think that they're not ready, if there's some red flags, I'm just going to simply tell them, wait. It's okay to wait because it means it's, some, it's a time to develop. It's a time to work on those areas, to perfect those areas so that the time, when the time does come, you'll be ready for that next phase. 
it's okay to wait. It's just that we don't like to wait. But it's all right to wait. It's necessary. It is a requirement to wait for our own personal development. Amen? Listen, God loves us so much that He's begun a lifelong process of transforming our lives into the image of His Son. That is God's plan A for our lives. That is His number one plan. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 tells us that we are to be confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So it's a lifelong process, which means there's a process of waiting to develop to that place. How many of you would like to be a mighty man and a mighty woman of God? Amen? Amen. Leap tall buildings, right? Fly through the air and, and crash through brick walls. We want to be strong and mighty, but it's going to take some time to get there. All right? So please don't try to walk through walls or try to leap a tall building before you, until you develop. Let me give you an example. Go to John chapter 11. Give you an example of God sometimes delays because there's some development that needs to be done in our, in our lives. Here we read the story of Lazarus. We all know the story. In verse 3, Jesus, who was in a town about a day's journey from Bethany where Lazarus Martha and Mary lived. He was with his disciples, probably doing ministry work, when he got word that his friend Lazarus was sick. And then we look in verse 6, where it says, So when he, Jesus, heard that he, Lazarus, was sick, he took the first mule to Bethany. He took the first caravan to Bethany. He called the Uber driver to take him to Bethany. No, he said he stayed for two more days in the place where he was. Now, one would wonder, why would Jesus, knowing that his friend, his good friend, whom he loves, delay two days knowing that all he had to do was run to Bethany, which is just a day's journey, lay hands on him and heal him? Or like he did with the centurion uh, soldier, his servant. Just speak the word, and he'll be healed. But he didn't do that. He simply waited two more days. And you scratch your head and wonder, why? Why would he wait so long? So we're going to see that Jesus knew what he was doing, and he was very much in control. Look down in verse 14. Now at this point, he finds that, G- that Lazarus was dead. He proclaimed it. He said, then Jesus said to them, the disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead. He was once sick. Now he's dead. So, if you were praying for healing, it's too late. Martha and Mary was hoping that Jesus would come, but it was too late. He didn't show up. But it was what he said in the next verse that tells us why Jesus delayed in coming to Lazarus. This is a clear indication that Jesus, was his delay for Lazarus was, was on purpose and there was an intention behind it. Go to verse 15. He says to his disciples, 
I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Why? That you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. That's an interesting statement. He found out that his good friend that he loved was sick, but he didn't run to his side. Two days went by. Now he gets word that he's dead. And he says, I'm glad we weren't there. But he says, so that you may believe. Okay, so we have an idea as to why he delayed. Apparently, he was trying to develop someone's faith. When Jesus made this statement, he said this. The disciples knew he was sick. Then disciples found out he was dead. But Jesus was simply saying, don't matter what you see or what you hear. Just believe. Okay. I'm getting ready to build up your faith. Okay. When, when there's a delay in our lives... Sometimes delay will expose certain areas in our lives that are lacking. It'll show us where we're lacking and why we're not receiving from God. But that's not the time to ignore it. That's not the time to, to flip it off and, and say, ah, that's, that's the time to really inquire. And say, Lord, if this is the area that I'm lacking, then Lord, help me in this area. Build me up. Help develop that area in my life. There's a season of growth that every person goes through. And as I said, a child, an infant child, cannot eat a barbecue spare rib because the child still has some growing and developing to do. Only until the child becomes 16 years of age, after a process of growth, after a season of growth, will he be ready and able to digest a barbecue spare rib. Every one of us has a season of growth that we're going through. And there are seasons that, in areas in our lives that we have to grow and develop. And we get frustrated because we wonder why we're not where we need to be or why God is not opening up any doors for us. But rather than getting upset, ask the Holy Ghost, is, is there something that God is working in me? Is he trying to develop something in my life? Is there an area in my life that I'm lacking that needs to grow? Because it's okay to grow. But it's going to require some time of waiting as you're growing. Are, are you hearing me? God wants us to establish strong faith in our hearts. He wants to have us, our faith to be firmly fixed, established. He wants us to have unshakable faith. So that no matter what we face in life, it's not going to shake us, not going to deter us, it's not going to cause us to panic. We're going to stand firm. Because we believe that our God is our Savior. Our God is our deliverer. Our God is our portion in our inheritance. He's everything that we need. And He's going to come to our rescue. That's what He wants us to be. And apparently that's what He's trying to do for the disciples. Let's move on. Look down in verse 21. Martha finds out that Jesus finally arrives at Bethany. When she hears that he's in Bethany, she runs to him 
And the first words that she says to him was this. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Not hello, where you been, how you feeling? If you had been here, my brother would have not have died. And if what's interesting is when Mary, her sister, found out in verse 34, uh, 2, she said the same thing. So both sisters ganged up on Jesus. Both of them accused Jesus of coming too late. And both of them accused Jesus of not caring. But what's interesting, <laughs> they were upset because they did not come within the timetable that they expected Jesus to come. Because he didn't come at the time that they called him, they were upset. Now it's too late. But what's interesting is that they, they made a statement that if Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Tells me that both Mary and Martha believed that Jesus had the ability to heal their brother. There was no question or doubt in their minds that Jesus was able to heal their brother Lazarus. They believed it. Their faith was okay. Their faith was intact. They believed that he was the healer. They've, they've experienced it. They've seen it. But what they have not experienced and what they're about to see was that not only is Jesus the healer, but he was also the resurrection and the life. You know, it's okay if Jesus came at the time when, when he was called upon and go to Lazarus, lay his hands upon them, heal him, and it would be fine. And you know what? Their faith would be sufficient. But to come four days after, after he's dead, and then to raise him from the dead, that's going to raise their faith level to a whole different level. Are you hearing me? They both had faith in his healing power. But they were about to experience something far greater. They're going to see Jesus in a way they've never seen him before. And their faith is going to grow to a place that they've never had. His delays, as I said before, will often expose the areas in our lives that are lacking. And apparently, there was, they were lacking in great faith. They had faith, but they were lacking in great faith. You know, it's okay to have faith. But why settle for just faith when you can have great faith? When you can have unshakable faith? Amen? When you can have mountain-moving faith? But I think because we're such people that are spoiled, because we expect for God to work and move when we want Him to move, What happens if we receive everything that we wanted when we wanted it? What kind of father would God be? What kind of father would he be? If you received everything that you wanted when you wanted it. Think about it. Considering our sinful nature, if you never had to wait, then we would never have a reason to trust God. Are you hearing me? Yeah. 
Look down in verse 23. Now Jesus was about to accomplish his purpose. He not only was trying to develop the faith of his disciples, but also Martha and Mary's faith. He says in verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And then Martha responds, not getting what Jesus said. Lord, I know. You know, it's just like a Christian, you know, you tell a Christian the word and so I already know that. I know the word. I know that he'll rise again at the resurrection of the last day. But apparently she didn't understand what he was talking about. Verse 25 says, no, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Now look down in verse 39. Then Jesus takes away the stone. And Martha says, what? The only thing that's coming out of that cave is a four-day stench. Understand that Martha was already ready to move on. In her mind, Lazarus is dead. There was no point in rolling the stone because he's already been rotting. It's too late. The opportunity is lost. You should have been here, but you weren't. So let's move on. But see, that kind of thinking only implies that God is not in control of our situation. But Jesus was very much in control because everything he did was on purpose. It was for the development of their faith. They just didn't get it yet. Look what he says in verse 40. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. You would see the manifestation of God. You would see the power and presence of God. If you believe. Then Jesus began to pray to the Father again, revealing his purpose for his delay in verse 41. And he says, then he took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Verse 42 says, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And of course, the rest is history. Imagine seeing a dead man raised from the dead after being dead for four days. Imagine what your faith is like when you see God work and move in such a miraculous way. That'll turn anybody's faith to a higher level. But don't you think that's what God is trying to do in our lives? to raise the bar, to stretch our faith, to get us to a place where we have to believe in Him. We find ourselves in a situation we don't know what to do and who to turn to, but that's the best place to be because that's when God says, here I am, I'm your portion, I'm your inheritance, I'm your savior, I'm your provider. Come on now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's okay to wait. It's all right to wait. Because it could be God is trying to develop you. But if you allow him to develop you, you're going to be in a much better place. And in the end, you will reap your harvest. Hallelujah. In due season. In everything, there's a time and there's a season. But in between that time, there's a period of waiting. 
And we need to learn to wait in that time. And then and just expect God to work and move. Don't worry about how, when, or where. And don't try to put faces. Just trust that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much. Thank you, Father, as you give us the strength and the patience to wait and to tarry, Father God. Father, we thank you, Father God, for, for renewing our strength like an eagle. Thank you, Father God, that you are always looking forward to pouring out your blessing upon our lives. But also you're working in us and developing in us to come to a place that you desire for us to be. And Father God, if it means waiting, then Lord, so shall we wait. But Lord, in our waiting, give us strength. In our waiting, give us peace. In our waiting, Father God, build in us a hope and in that expectation, Lord God, knowing that you're coming around, you're coming through. Lord, I thank you that you'll not leave us nor forsake us. Never will you do that. But Father, I just thank you so much. Your word says the good things come to those who wait on the Lord. And so, Father, we just thank you for that. And Lord, we're expecting those good things. We're expecting those blessings to come. And Lord, for this I thank you. And I give you all the glory and all the praise. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. While we're still in the spirit of prayer, 